Thank you, ladies. <clears throat> Are you going home? Amen. Amen. This world is not my home. We're just a passing through. And it's true that sometimes we forget that, that sometimes we think our permanent address is actually right here, when in reality, our citizenship is where? It's in heaven. It's in heaven. And uh, what a beautiful promise, what a beautiful hope. And the truth is that every seventh day, when we are reminded of that original creation, we are reminded also of the hope of the new creation. Every seventh day, we have a taste of paradise past, but we have a foretaste of paradise to come. What a day of delight. Amen? <laughs> this uh, last, uh, last week, we began a sermon series called Day of Delight, and we're going to continue that today. We're going to continue that next week and even into, uh, even into the following week after that. So let's bow our heads together as we pray. Father in heaven, we're seeking a word from you. We realize, God, that, that you have given us such plain revelation. Not just a revelation of facts or details, but a revelation of your character, a revelation of your love. And we're asking, God, that as we turn to this idea of the Sabbath, as we seek to understand this day of delight, that we would find our delight in the Lord. Amen. God, we give you permission to instruct us, to teach us, to reveal to us things that maybe are familiar but in a fresh way. Reveal to us things that are unfamiliar in an inspiring way. God, we pray that you would speak. And I ask, God, that if, if there's anything that stands between us and you that would cause our ears to be dull, that would cause our hearts to be hard, then please redeem us from that just now. Thank you, God, as we come to you. We thank you in advance that you're going to open up your word to us and open up our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, let the family say, Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, if you will, and go with me to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58 is where we began last week, and it's where we're going to start this week. It's kind of setting the framework, setting the framework for our study, Day of Delight. Isaiah, it's in the Old Testament, a little bit more than halfway through. If you're in the Psalms, just go a little bit to the right. Isaiah chapter 58. If you have a pen and paper, go ahead and take that out too. We're probably going to refer to a lot of texts that we may not necessarily have the time to look up today. But Isaiah chapter 58, when you're there, go ahead and say, I am there. All right, Isaiah chapter 58. In this section of Isaiah, Isaiah has many, many messages that are specifically highlighting the fact that God's people, though they are deserving of judgment, God's people are being called home. God's people are being given an opportunity to be restored to a relationship with Him. And part of that restoration of a relationship with God is a restoration of the day that God gave us. Are you hearing what I'm saying today, yes or no? Yeah? And so part of a relationship with God is, is, is being able to highlight what in the world is this gift, this day of delight that He has given to us if you're there, Isaiah 58, the last two verses, beginning in verse 13, notice it's a promise that starts with an if, and then it leads into a then. Okay, verse 13, the Bible says, I'm reading from the New King James Version. The Bible says, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, and as we talked about last week, if you stop trampling all over it, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a what? A delight. 
the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall do what? Delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. When we're talking about delight, last week we studied this more in depth, so if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, go ahead and go to our webpage, or you might even find some CDs uh, in the back there in the lobby, just be on the opposite side of uh, where the sound booth is. But we were talking about how delight is distinct from pleasure. Delight, God's delight, is, is delighting in God's works, God's ways, whereas pleasure is really about me, myself, and I, right? And so what God is calling us to is not a day that is joyless and emotionless and passionless. No, no, no. God is calling us to a higher level of delight. A delight in who? Delight in the Lord, right? And so here, what we found last week is, is when we actually look at God's example of how he first observed that day of delight. We found in Exodus chapter 31 that God actually calls us to keep the Sabbath in order to observe the Sabbath. Do you remember that from last week? If you were here last week, we talked about two Hebrew words where it says to keep, it means to shamar or guard the Sabbath. When I, think, when I hear shamar, I think of a, a dog that's barking and just okay? So we're, we're guarding the, the Sabbath from, from being intruded upon. But it says in Exodus 31, verse 16, we guard the Sabbath in order to keep the Sabbath, in order to observe the Sabbath. The Hebrew word there is to make or to create. It's to asah. The Hebrew word is to asah the Sabbath. And we discovered who else, who else asahed in that passage? Does anybody remember? Oh boy, maybe we should go to it. Let's go to it very quickly. Can we go there? Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31. This is good review. Repetition deepens impression. All right, here we go. Exodus 31. If you're there, say, I found it before the pastor. All right. Okay. <laughs> Exodus 31, second book of the Bible, right after Genesis. Genesis, then Exodus. Go to chapter 31, verse 16. There's a very specific instruction. It says, therefore, the children of Israel shall keep, that is to guard, okay, to guard the Sabbath, protect it from intruders. To observe the Sabbath, which means to make or to create the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. Now notice, it is a sign, verse, verse 17, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, for in six days the Lord did what? Made the heavens and the earth. That's that same Hebrew word, asa. When God is calling us to make the Sabbath, he's actually calling us to follow the pattern of the original creator. That when God created the heavens and the earth, he didn't say, okay, guys, let's just get this done. All right, here we go. Ready, set, go. No, that's not what God did. When he created, he was like that passionate artist that said, let me see what I can do with this. And he allowed his creativity and the love that just overflowed from his heart to burst out into animated creation. When God made, he made with joy, with passion, that according to Job chapter 38, verse 7, the angels that were watching, they were shouting with joy. The angels, I imagine, were doing cartwheels and high fives saying, I didn't know God could do that. 
When God created, he did it with such creativity and inspiration. And now he's saying, when it comes to the Sabbath, you create the Sabbath. Do you understand that the Sabbath delight is not just something to guard, it is also something to create? Do we understand that today, yes or no? I hope we do. And over the next few weeks, what we're going to do next week is we're going to talk about ways to guard the Sabbath. We're going to talk about delight destroyers that we need to be protective about. But today, I want us to recognize that before we even talk about delight destroyers, we need to know what we're guarding to create, what we're guarding to make. Because the, the moment that we begin to talk about don'ts without connecting it to do's, that's when we, we begin to look at this day of drudgery as opposed to a day of delight. Are you following my reasoning today, yes or no? Okay. And so, what we're going for today is how then can we create Sabbath delight? Is that a good question? I, I want to answer it not just from my own fancy or my own imagination. I want to answer it from Scripture. I want to answer it, hey, God has given us this day. He says, call it a delight, but how can I actually create it? How can I make it a delight? Okay? And that's what we're going for today. So go with me just for a moment back. Uh, sorry, did you lose Isaiah 58? Can you go back to it? Can you go back to Isaiah 58? This is what I want us to see. Because here there's something very significant. There are some very specific prescriptions, you can say, appeals, instructions. According to verse 13, it says, If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day. Okay, so just from the very onset, we're seeing things of what not to do, right? We're seeing ways to guard, shamar the Sabbath. But we're also connecting it to what we can do, okay? And call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall do what? Honor him. Honor him. And that word honor it simply means to make weighty, to make heavy with importance and significance. So, part and parcel with calling the Sabbath a delight is actually that it impacts the way we place weight upon the importance of God in our lives. You want to know? You want to know how important God is to you? Ask yourself how important the Sabbath is to you. Do you see what's happening here? He says, call the Sabbath a delight and you will delight yourself in the Lord. You want to know how much delight you have in the Lord? See how much delight you have in the Sabbath. He says, call it honorable and you shall honor him. You want to know how much weight and importance you have in God? See how much weight and importance you put into the Sabbath. It's a good barometer. It's a good temperature gauge, so to speak. And so here, we need to understand that, that part and parcel of, of making Sabbath delight is, is honoring and making God weighty, making God magnificent, allowing Him to take up the full horizon of your thoughts and attention. Do you realize that when Sabbath was originally instituted back in the creation week, the whole point was, hey, look, Adam and Eve, you didn't make this. I did. Right? God gave them that day. And that's why the children of Israel, when they were reminded of that, that seventh day Sabbath, in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, says, remember the Sabbath day to do what? Does anybody remember? Keep it, 
to keep it holy. Hey guys, you don't make a day holy. I've already made it holy, so keep it that way. Keep it that way. In it you shall do no labor. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. Why? According to 20 verse 11, Exodus 20 verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And he rested the seventh day. Therefore God blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. The reason God gave us the Sabbath was so that we would always have a pointer, not to our own power, but to God's. Not to our own ability to make our own livelihood, but to whose? To God's. That's the nature, that's the nature of constant and incessant work, by the way. The more we work, the more we feel, yeah, yeah, you know, I can do this. I'm a self-made man. I remember my grandpa, who was an immigrant from the Philippines, and he, you know, he really took pride in the fact that, uh, that he made it in America. And he could say, hey, I'm a self-made man. He really, literally had nothing when he started. And because of the opportunities here in America that he found, he was able to make something. But the truth is this. God is the one who makes us. <laughs> we don't make ourselves. And some Seventh-day Sabbath, it allows us to be pointed back to, ah, it's he who has made us, not we ourselves. And so, how we do this, when we make the Sabbath a delight, when we call this day honorable and make him weighty, what we are called to do is to make him weighty as the one who truly gives us life itself. Do you believe that God has given you life today, yes or no? Yeah? Amen. Amen. Do you believe that God has not just given you physical life, but that he has given you the promise of spiritual life through Jesus Christ? Amen. In fact, go with me to Deuteronomy. Can you find Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy chapter 5. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, there is actually the repetition of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are given for a second time, which is exactly why this book is called Deuteronomy. It's the second, it's the deuce uh, of the nomos or law. Deuteronomy chapter 5. And notice that the Sabbath commandment, when it's repeated here, beginning in verse 12, it's almost verbatim to what we find in Exodus chapter 20. But there's something a little bit different. Let's see if you notice it. Beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, it says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, <sighs> that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Sounds familiar, yes or no? Yeah, almost exactly the same. And then in verse 15, and remember, remember what? What do you think it's going to say? Remember creation? Well, let's see, let's see. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Did Moses just forget what the Ten Commandments were saying? <laughs> what, what, what just happened? Moses was adding a, 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 
a new dimension to realizing that the Sabbath is not only a pointer to God's power to create, the Sabbath is also a pointer to God's power to redeem. It's a pointer to God's power to make something from nothing, and it's a pointer to God's power to make you from nothing to restore you as a branch plucked from the fire and say, look, I can do this. You may feel that uh, you can make yourself, but God reminds us on the Sabbath, no, 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 no. Make me weighty. Make me honorable. When you, when you delight yourself in this day, you'll find, oh, it's God all along. He's the only one that can supply all my need. And, and, and every seventh day, we're also called to remember that God is the Redeemer, the one who saves. You may feel like your sin, your past, is too much to overcome. Praise God that every seventh day, we have this reminder that God can do it, even if we can't. Amen. Or maybe I should say that God can do it, especially because we can't. God is awesome. And on this seventh day, we have a chance to honor the day Yes, but really what we're doing is honoring the Lord of the day, making him weighty. So here's this, when we're looking at things to, ways to make Sabbath a delight, what we are looking for, we are looking for ways to make God weighty in our lives. We're looking for ways to make God heavy and significant in our lives. We're looking for things that will point us back to God's creative power. We're looking for things that will, God, that will point us back to God's redemptive power in our lives. Anything else that doesn't fit under those things, that's stuff for normal, everyday, other days besides. Are we following today? Yes or no? We'll talk a little bit more about the things to guard against next week, but here we're looking at ways to make the Lord weighty. Okay, go with me now to the New Testament. Go with me to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verses 27 to 28. This is in the New Testament. And what we're looking for is the way that God actually, how it is that God becomes weighty through the Sabbath. And I want us just to, before we even get to this, I want us to realize that when we talk about God you know, designating a day for him to become weighty, it, it's not that God is an egomaniac. Okay, don't, don't get me wrong. God is not an egomaniac that says, I deserve attention. Please pay attention to me. No, that's, that's not what it is. Because when God made the Sabbath, it wasn't for himself. It was for you and I. Okay? Look at it. Mark chapter 2. Last two verses there. If you're there, say amen. Chapter 2, verse 27. The Bible says, And he, this is speaking about Jesus, and Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for me. Is that, what, is that what Jesus says? No. The Sabbath was made for man. It was made for humankind. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Getting a little bit of context, what's going on here is that there's a conversation that Jesus is having with the religious leaders at the time. The religious leaders in Jesus' day had actually become so guarded, they had really taken that shamar of the Sabbath, the guarding of the Sabbath, to a, a, almost an unhealthy extreme where they had come up with 39 different categories of things you should not do on the Sabbath. Within each of those categories, there are many stipulations and regulations, etc., etc., etc. One of those was 
don't pick grain or harvest your fields on the Sabbath, okay? Oh, understandable. Harvesting can be a pretty uh, significant task, right? It can take all day, all week, all month, a whole season. But it had gone to such an unhealthy extreme that the, any form of picking a fruit or whatever had become, whoa, 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 whoa. That's breaking Sabbath. And so when Jesus is walking through a field and his disciples are realizing that they're hungry, Jesus and his disciples, they pick grain, and, and people are looking around saying, why are you breaking the Sabbath? As if he's harvesting, <laughs> You know, as if he's uh, pulling in great toil and labor. And so Jesus, he responds in verse 25, just a few verses earlier. He says, but he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. You see, Jesus is saying, look, the Sabbath, it's not to neglect the needs of man. It's actually to satisfy the needs of man. And so the next phrase in verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man. It was never intended to be this thing where, where the Sabbath is so holy and honorable that we serve it. No, the Sabbath was intended to be a blessing to us. So here, there's a, there's a fine line to, to, to realize here because there are needs embedded within our humanity. There are needs embedded within our humanity that are served and satisfied by the blessing of the Sabbath. But apparently, it is possible to have unrestful rest. <laughs> Listen to that. It's possible to have unrestful rest. The Pharisees were, were well into that. They had turned the Sabbath around to see it as something we need to serve and satisfy rather than satisfying and blessing us. And so, it, it, it's for our benefit. God wanted the Sabbath to be a blessing to us. So how is it then? How is it that we can make the Lord honorable through the Sabbath and be blessed by that? Well, here's the key. In verse 28, he says, Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. He's identifying himself here. He's saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus as the Lord. Uh, sometimes when I, when I uh, see a phrase in Scripture and I'm trying to kind of understand what, what's, what's the whole point, uh, it, what, what's the meaning of that, what I'll do is uh, I'll do a little trick. Uh, it's not a trick. It, it's just a, an exercise that I do where I read something with emphasis on different words, okay? So, for example, this, this phrase, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Well, what's the meaning if I say, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath versus Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, right? Here, in this first uh, analysis, we're saying Jesus is the Lord. Not you, not me, not anyone else's expectations. No, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. In the latter, we're saying Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, maybe I'm just like playing mental tricks right now. <laughs> but here's, here's the point. Here's the point. There is a ditch on either side. We can come to the point of the Pharisees where we are trying to meet the demands of the Sabbath, but at the same time, we can be on the other side where the Sabbath is all about my pleasures, so I can call the shots. 
And when Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, he wants us to realize that whatever blessing we benefit from, it's because we're recognizing him as the Lord, not me, myself. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> because here is what happens, again, talking about the difference between delight and pleasure. In Isaiah 58, we're told not to do our pleasure, but call the Sabbath a delight. How does that make sense? Well, it makes sense in this. We delight in God, not my own fancies. It's not a day of amusements. It's not a day of, of, of just pleasure-seeking for the sake of it. No, it's delighting ourselves in the Lord. If Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, that means he's the center of it. If Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, that means that there is a blessing for me in knowing that I am not the Lord. <laughs> there is a blessing for each and every one of us to have a consistent reminder that you are not God. You may think that's rude, but it's really for your benefit. The Sabbath was made for man to remind you that you are not the Lord. <laughs> think of that. The Sabbath was made for us to remind us that we are not the center of the universe. God is. God is. In the six days that we work, we become so ingrained. Have you ever noticed this? <laughs> that, that, that the rhythm of your work can cause you to become so narrow in your focus that devotions, prayer, study, what, how do I have time for that? Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. Who's the center of your universe? Every seventh day, we're recalibrated to all. Oh, God is the center of my universe. Jesus is the Lord. Being reminded that I am not at the center of the universe is for my eternal benefit. <laughs> and if Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, then he can be looked to as the one who establishes the pattern for the Sabbath, the one who models exactly what Sabbath delight should look like, and that's exactly what we, we see from the very beginning. God rested on the seventh day. We'll do the same. God worked the sixth and he rested the seventh. Let me do the same. God has always been the model, the originator of the Sabbath, the model of the Sabbath, the perpetuator of the Sabbath. And here, in Mark chapter 2, what's very interesting, and it's not by coincidence, the very next verses in chapter 3, if you just kind of scan through, what, do you guys have a subtitle in your Bibles for chapter 3? Oh, okay, you have Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath. How about at the beginning of chapter 3? Do you have a, a different title there? Healing yeah, healing on the Sabbath. In chapter 3, the first six verses, Jesus now models how Sabbath is supposed to be for humanity. Never at the neglect of humans' needs, but for the blessing and satisfying of humans' needs. And, and here in, in Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, there's a man that comes into the synagogue. Guess where Jesus is on the Sabbath? He's in the synagogue. Okay? And there's a man with a withered hand. And in verse 2, Mark chapter 3, verse 2, it says, They watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. Do you realize how upside down their Sabbath delight had become? In verse 3, it says, And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. Jesus wanted to take the teaching moment, you know, put the spotlight on it. Verse 4, he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good? or to do evil, to save life, or to kill. You notice the, the very absolute terms that Jesus uses there. In other words, the neglect of good is actually evil. 
the neglect of helping is actually hurting. It's not just a, I didn't have the opportunity or energy. It's actually, you're actually uh, being a perpetrator of, an, of a harm. It says, but they kept silent. I would too. If I was like, and in verse 5 it says, and when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. Why? Because this day of delight had become such a burden. The very thing that's supposed to point to God as Redeemer had, had been turned into uh, some, something to skew the picture of God as a tyrant that says, don't come to me right now. I've got better things to do. Jesus become, he, he looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. For this, in Jesus' mind, if Sabbath is supposed to be a day of rest and delight, what we can pick up from Jesus' example is that part of rest and delight is not only to make God weighty, but it's also to reflect compassion to those around us. It's shifting our focus, saying, yes, I am not the center of my universe. Let me look to the one who is the center of my universe. So that we can even now pay attention to the others who are in my universe. There's two dynamics. Are we following that? There's two dynamics. We are to make the Lord honorable by, by restoring a connection with the Lord of the Sabbath, but we're also to begin to reflect compassion to those around us on the Sabbath. When we lose sight of those things, when I become the center of my universe, then I've, I've forgotten the two directions of the whole law, right? When Jesus was asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment? He gave an answer. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The two directions, up and out. The two directions of God's will, up and out. The two directions of the Sabbath. Upward and outward. And here's another little trick. If you turn this around, it's a seven. It's a seventh day. Anyway, seventh day Sabbath. Just kind of a, a little mnemonic device there. <laughs> anyway, so what we're finding here is that Jesus is able to truly rest. Jesus is able to rest even when he's active. Do you realize that when the, when the Sabbath calls us to, to rest, the Sabbath is not calling us to laziness? Amen. <laughs> I need to hear this too, okay? Let's, let's do this. Let's do this together. Okay, let's walk this. The Sabbath is not calling us to laziness when it says to rest on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is calling us to find true rest. And if true rest is modeled by Jesus, it's modeled by restoring connection to the Lord of the Sabbath, and it's modeled by reflecting compassion to the others around us on the Sabbath. Upward and outward. And you think, ah, but that's such a burden to, to try to help others here. And you know what Jesus said? When, when in John chapter 4, when uh, he had this conversation with this woman at the well, right? The disciples went to town to go get some food for him. He had this one-on-one -on -one conversation with this woman, and, and he's actually able to reveal and lead her to salvation in himself. And, and the disciples come back, and they come back with food, and in John chapter 4, verse 34, it says that they're trying to give him food, but then Jesus says, you know what? I've already had my fill. I've got food that you don't know of. <laughs> he says, it's my food to do the will of the Father. 
In other words, Jesus was physically refreshed by being able to spiritually serve. And this is what the Sabbath is for us. We finally have time not just to focus on what bills I need to pay or what transactions I need to complete. It's not just about me. Now I finally have time to focus on the center of the universe and the others in my universe. And that is to restore our soul. Why? Because that's the very heartbeat of heaven. That's the very heartbeat of heaven. And now we are beginning to taste that on the Sabbath day of delight. True rest. True rest. Restful work. This is what Jesus is talking about. It's not that rest equals idleness or laziness, but that true rest involves blessing others with the ability to rest. And in Matthew chapter 11, last text that we'll go to today. Matthew, go with me. Uh, The book right before Mark. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus will now combine these two pictures, these two dynamics of what true rest is all about. Matthew chapter 11. When you're there, say amen. We're looking at the last two verses. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. In fact, this is actually the parallel passage. If you start scanning through chapter 12, you'll notice it's the very parallel passage that we saw in Mark chapter 2 and 3. Uh, That's where Jesus is, Matthew is recording Jesus' whole discussion about, hey, don't you remember David and how he gave food to the priests, et cetera, et cetera. And then he says, hey, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And then down in chapter 12, verse 9, this is where that story of the healing of the withered man is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. But before this whole discussion, he precedes this. Matthew includes Jesus' instruction of Matthew chapter 11. And notice these familiar words. Matthew 11, verse 28. The Bible says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you more toil than you can handle. What does the Bible say? When Jesus says, come to me, what is he promising to give us in exchange? Rest. And I would say it's true rest. It's true rest. Notice how how this rest is available only through Jesus. Only through Jesus. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the redeemer. How can I have rest apart from him? Jesus offers us rest in relationship with him, but notice, it's not just rest in terms of, all right, kick up your feet, pick up a chair, sip some lemonade, here we go, let's rest. No, notice what he says. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you. He doesn't say throw off all yokes of responsibility. Just forget that you even have anything, you know, to be mindful of or anyone to take care of. No, no, no. He says take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It's a different kind of yoke. It's a different kind of service and labor that Jesus is calling us to. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. This is true rest. And here's the two dynamics, upward and outward. One, it's in coming to Jesus that we find rest. And that coming to Jesus, that restful relationship with Jesus, actually involves an element of service with Jesus. Do you follow it? 
It's relationship to Jesus and service with Jesus. This is the recipe for true rest. And I say that, true rest, because I really believe there is a, a counterfeit rest. This world tries to offer us rest. There's a kind of relaxation that the world tries to substitute for rest, to temporarily distract us from our anxieties or struggles, things to zone us out, <laughs> things just for pleasure-seeking and, and, and zoning us out in mindless amusements and media, etc., etc. I, I tell you, this, I believe, is... It's really just trying to shut off our minds to being able to experience true rest in Jesus. It's a substitute. It's a counterfeit. God is not just calling us to turn, turn things off. No, no, no. He's, he's actually calling us to refocus. To refocus. The kind of rest Jesus gives doesn't just temporarily distract us. The kind of rest Jesus gives actually restores us. That's the kind of rest I want. That's the kind of rest I hope you long for, too. The kind of rest that Jesus gives us actually restores our souls and causes us to take a, an enlivening breath, just like God did on the Sabbath. And I want us just to, before we even get into some of these practical things, be careful, be careful about our Sabbath planning, our, our attempts to create the Sabbath and, and make it a delight, there is a way to almost go about it from a distraction mindset. Let me see if I, I'll make sense here. Tell me if you resonate with this. There have been times in my own experience as a young person where it seemed like people were planning Sabbath activities for me just so I wouldn't think about the things that I shouldn't be thinking about. In other words, Sabbath creating actually was negatively motivated rather than positively motivated. So I would encourage you, as we're talking about creating Sabbath experience, let us not be negatively motivated by just keeping each other busy. Amen? Amen. But let us be positively motivated into saying, how can we make the Lord weighty in our lives? How can we honor him? So don't settle for being negatively motivated. Be positively motivated as we're looking at ways to create the Sabbath. Okay, so if the things I make Sabbath delight with, if the things I, I create Sabbath with should lead me to experience true rest, then I am going to focus on those two dynamics, the upward and the outward. Okay, we're, we're kind of drawing this to practical application here. When I'm approaching Sabbath and wanting to prepare for Sabbath, by the way, last week, uh, that was the take-home challenge. Did anybody actually write a short list of things to prepare? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, I see some head nodding and stuff. I did it myself. For me, I don't know about you, it was a challenge for me to actually meet my <laughs> ways to prepare. But God is actually wanting us to prepare so that we can have the time and energy and attention to make the Sabbath a delight. Okay. So, if the things I make of the Sabbath should lead me to experience true rest like this, then I'm going to focus on those things that A, restore my connection to Jesus, and B, reflect my compassion for others. Two, di two directions, two dynamics. Maybe you've noticed how our constant work and labor actually keeps us from being able to restore a connection or reflect compassion to others. So the practical takeaways, how then shall I make delightful Sabbaths? Hopefully you're taking notes. 
How do, I, how do I create things that result in delighting myself in the Lord? Here is delight do number two, okay? Last week we looked at delight do number one, and that was to prepare. Prepare in advance. Prepare things to guard the Sabbath. Prepare things to make the Sabbath. And now we're talking about delight do number two. How then do we make it? Here's number one, or excuse me, number two. Ready? <laughs> delight do number two. Do those things that restore connection with Jesus. I'm not going to try to get into very, very specific practices. I'll, I'll give you examples, but I don't think it should be our goal to say, all right, do this, do this, do this. Why? Because I believe that God's Sabbath is so much more creative than that, and that I, I want us to look at biblical principles from which we can create. Does that make sense? Yeah? So here's principle number one, the delight do number two, I guess. Uh, do those things that restore connection with Jesus. And if the Sabbath is a pointer to Jesus as creator and Jesus as redeemer, then do those things that will make that more magnificent and weighty and important in your minds. You know your walk with God. You know the things that cause you to sense a closer relationship with him. And so, if you know that, hey, every time you listen to this song, you feel closer in your walk with God, then turn that song on. <laughs> if you know that every time you open up the Bible with a, a study group or something, and, and you just, wow, the Word is speaking to you, and your, your relationship with God is strengthened through that, then find ways to cultivate that on the Sabbath, where you can surround yourself with other people and open up the Word together. You know your relationship with God. You know the things that, kinda, that strengthen your trust in Him. If you've identified those things, then cultivate time for that on the Sabbath. Does that make sense? Yeah? <clears throat> if you need some more ideas, let me just give you a few. Okay? <laughs> things that can restore our connection with the Creator. One, I would say carve out time to read the Scriptures more deeply than you normally would throughout the week. Just, just take some time. Take some time to do it. Maybe it's other devotional reading. Maybe it's a book from the Spirit of Prophecy, etc. Here's another idea. Get out. Get outside. You've been in your office cubicle. You've been in the classroom all week. Whatever. Get out. Get out into nature and cause your eyes to see. Open up the second book, the book of nature, and allow the heavens to declare the glory of God. Allow the things around you to remind you, that, oh, wow, I really am not the center of the universe. I remember my first backpacking trip. I was, I was doing a little program called Teen Bible Academy. And uh, I remember just being out backpacking for the very first time. We were out there for eight days, eight nights. We were running on dry beans and dry rice. Oh, Taco Bell's tasted so good after that. But I remember coming, like, uh, it was, I think it was day seven, day eight of just being out there. And I finally found the groove, so to speak. The silence had become normal. I remember sitting on a big rock in the middle of a stream. You know, just this water, constant flow, constant flow. And I looked over, and I just saw so many details. This speck on the granite, that little piece of dirt over there, that ant that's pushing that leaf, you know, all these little things. And I realized, God knows where all of these things are and what they're doing. And yet, he is mindful of me. There's something about getting outside, getting out into nature that causes you to remember, what is man that you are mindful of me? And it restores that simple, childlike trust 
that he is my maker, not me myself. Are you following today? Yes or no? Yeah? Yeah. Do those things that just get you out of that, that hamster wheel <laughs> of just doing life and feeling like you're the God of your life. Do those things that restore your connection with Jesus. Maybe you have, I remember growing up in a, in a home that kept the Sabbath. Praise the Lord for that. I remember there was a certain Heritage Singers CD that would always, actually it wasn't a CD, it was a record. Uh, a certain Heritage, CD, uh, Heritage Singers record that just played every Sabbath. And for me, that just kind of marked it in my mind, in my senses. Ah, this is special, sacred time. Find that favorite music, favorite whatever it might be, to just allow yourself to reconnect with the Creator. Maybe you need to take a journal. It just takes some time to reflect. Reflect on answered prayers. Reflect on lessons learned. Reflect on ways that you have grown, ways that God has redeemed you that way. Just in simple sentences, reflect. Or maybe a variation on that reflection. I actually had a friend of mine who, who kept a praise jar in their living room. It was just kind of a, a larger mason-sized jar type of thing where, where they actually, they, every time they saw something that they were thankful for in the week, the family would take a little scribble of uh, something on a piece of paper, put it in that jar, and as the week went by, there were a stack of pieces of paper in that jar, and on Sabbath, they'd be able to reach in and look at what they were thankful for from the week. It was just a, a nice, simple, and visual way to realize God has been blessing all along, okay? Take time on the Sabbath. If you're really serious about how can I create Sabbath delight, look for ways to restore your connection with the Creator. We following today, yes or no? Yeah? So that's the upward dynamic. Here's the outward. Here's the outward. Delight do number three. We're kind of building our list. Delight do number one is prepare. Delight do number two is do those things that restore connection with God. Delight do number three, do those things that reflect compassion for others. Do those things that reflect compassion for others. In other words, if delight do, this one is restoring connection with Jesus, then delight do number three is restore others' connection with Jesus. Maybe today, during potluck, after potluck, you give yourself some time just to give some thought. Give some thought to someone who might be in need today. Give some thought to somebody that, hey, I, I haven't seen this person in a while, or I haven't heard from my family member in a while. Give some time to someone that you know of that might have a simple need, and then do something to reach out. It's, it's not rocket science, right? <laughs> this is simply about taking your focus from yourself to God and now to others. And somehow this is true rest. This is reviving to the soul. The Bible says those who water will themselves be watered. Give, and it will be given back to you. Now, we don't do it selfishly. No, no, no. But, but we find that when we extend, God is giving back to us. And this is restoring to our souls. So give some thought to someone who might be in need, whether, you know, in your family circle, your friend circle, your neighborhood, your church, your Sabbath school, your work, your school, whatever. And use your time creatively and compassionately just to reach out in a simple way. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a card. Do, we pe do people still do that? Stale mail? Yeah? Okay, yeah, of course, right? A phone call, a card. Maybe it's a personal visit. Maybe it's baking some cookies. 
I am in need. Someone come. No, <laughs> Frankie and me. All right, let's go. I'll go to your house. You can come okay. Phone call, card, personal visit, cookies, whatever. Maybe you're not necessarily feeling that proactive. Take some time to pray for that need of the person that you just thought of. Okay? Uh, that, that, may not, that may not necessarily require the greatest amount of time or energy, but I tell you, it's still effective. And it's effective also for you just not to think about yourself all the time. Okay? So do that. You know, uh, Aid mentioned the group that went out last Sabbath to go glowing. Twelve people. Five hundred glow. What? What? Yeah. Some, sometimes every now and then there's a group that goes singing at Orangeburg Manor, you know, to, to older, older men and women who just can't get out, who, who just look for some sort of companionship. And when you smile, their world lights up. Look for ways to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's simple. Simple. And if you're looking for more ideas, there's actually a little website that an Adventist from Australia has put together called sabbathideas.org. If you're looking for some ideas, go ahead. They even have an app. You can keep it on your phone. All right. Now, I'll admit that there are some ideas there that I wouldn't do on Sabbath. That's all right. Maybe they would in Australia. I don't know. No, but, but here's the thing. You use your discernment and just say, hey, look, this is actually something that's going to restore my connection to God. I'm going to do it. This is something that's going to reflect compassion to someone else. I'm going to do that. Right? If you're looking for ideas, go to the website. If you're looking for ideas, talk to your brother or sister. Hey, what, are you, what do you do to make Sabbath a delight? Sometimes these things are better caught than taught. Right? So you, maybe you already have a plan for this Sabbath. Do you have another seat in your car? Yeah, you, know, um, you know, take somebody with you just to, to bring that cookie or to do that visit, whatever it might be. Share the love. Share the love. All right. I think I've spoken enough, but there are a few more things I want to say. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll save those things for next Sabbath when it comes to delight destroyers. But what I do want to recognize is that you've probably noticed by now that I haven't even mentioned church going. And that's on purpose. Why? Because church going is not important on the Sabbath? No, come on. <laughs> because church going is not the whole picture, it's just part of that picture. Do you follow what I mean, yes or no? Yes. I praise God that we are together on the Sabbath day. Yes, amen. This is the time in which we can restore connection and actually reflect compassion to others. This is, this is the place, the venue, where those two dynamics can be experienced and engaged. That's a powerful thing. But I want you to know that when it comes to honoring God's Sabbath and delighting in this day, it's much more than just which day you go to church. Do you, do you understand what I mean by that? I hope that's okay to say. That when we're talking about Sabbath keeping, we're not just talking about which day to go to church. We're talking about delighting in a restored connection to God and reflecting compassion to others. So today, what will you do what will you do to restore your connection to God? What will you do to reflect compassion to others? Give it some time to think about. And I challenge you to actually share your ideas with one another, at, either in the foyer or as we go to potluck or whatever that might be. Is that your desire? To restore connection with God? Reflect compassion to others? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. And as we seek you out, as we seek to restore delight in this day, I pray that we would find our delight in the Lord. 
thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.